welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help to bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the heart or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. We forget, and then we remember, and then we forget again, and it goes from there. In order to remember something, we have to forget it so that we can remember it again. A few years ago, I gave myself the assignment to draw a timeline of my life so far, and it included all of the highlights and the overall tone and the mood of each period of time in my life. And it's not really, when I look at it, it's not really mapped out in years, but more like blocks of time that feel like a certain stage or something that overrode everything else. Like Picasso's blue period. I had my Japan period or my discovering yoga period or birth and recovery And it goes on from there. And these segments of my map or my timeline are not in even chunks. But I drew the next needed line when it seemed like something had ended or something else had begun. And when I finished this timeline assignment, I taped it onto the wall to get a better look at it. Kind of like they do in crime shows, like the evidence walls. And what I noticed when I panned out a little and softened my scrutiny was that each dark period was often followed by a breakthrough or a shift into something, a period of growth and prosperity somehow. And it wasn't exact or predictable or rhythmic like in math, but it was a noticeable trend. And the more desolate places in the timeline seemed seemed almost to be like places of incubation and places where I gathered in, even though that's not how I really remember experiencing them. And the times where things were lighter or more productive and happier, like the sides of the slide was, was greased, things were just flowing, those were a relief or a response to that incubation. And then after some time, the times of levity And ease and flow were sometimes abruptly interrupted with something really sludgy and confusing or even devastating. We forget so we can remember just to forget again. And then we remember when the sun comes out again. I'm reading this book I want to tell you guys about now by Catherine May, and it's called Wintering. And it's it's so gorgeous. And she kind of revels in this idea. Her idea of wintering is just this, that these darker times when we've lost the sun, those are times to rest and to recuperate and to put our houses and our hearts in order. She talks about it's a time in a way where we forget, where we allow ourselves to experience loss and a time where we unlace ourselves 
and the sun will come out again, but when it does, we will appreciate its warmth even more when we have weathered these winters. She writes of the actual winter, like the cold, the season, the winter, and then the proverbial winter that is inevitable as we as we age and experience difficult times. I pulled this really special quote from the first few pages of her book. She says, Plants and animals don't fight the winter. They don't pretend it's not happening and attempt to carry on living the same lives that they lived in the summer. They prepare. They adapt. They perform extraordinary acts of metamorphosis to get them through. Winter is a time of withdrawing from the world, maximizing scant resources, carrying out acts of brutal efficiency, and vanishing from sight. But that's where the transformation occurs. Winter is not the death of the life cycle, but the crucible. The older I get, the more I appreciate and understand this paradox, this flux. I have this continuous text chain that goes on. It's gone on this whole year with three soul sisters of mine. And we've kept it going. And sometimes it's just really us venting about this or that, motherhood as hard or blissful or both. And this text chain is a place where shame doesn't belong, or at least we try not to let it rain. And if one of us says, I acted like this today in the world and I feel really ashamed, another sister will intercept and say, nope, no shame here. You're okay and you're allowed. And this, this chain, this text chain, is a place where we champion each other and a place where we can all be real and so honest. And we also talk about ritual, about love, about holding sacred space for each other, and about how some things feel so disorienting. And one of my sisters wrote last week about someone she loves going through the unimaginable. Her child is fighting a very, very serious form of cancer, and we all agreed to pray and hold vigil, all of us, the sisters on this chain, because we know her family too. And then she said, isn't it amazing how we can hold such a dark and terrifying thing, and we can also hold the light things at the same time, like the day-to-day stuff? And yes, I said, it is what we do. It's what we do. I remember my mother said at the airport in Memphis the day her and I traveled home together the day after Benjamin died, she said, how are, how are these people just sitting here reading the newspaper as if the whole world has not changed? Bill Cosby. Ugh. He was such a childhood hero of mine, and I hate what he did and who he turned out to be, so that story... And what he did to women was shattering for me. But if you grew up in the 80s, you probably remember some of his stand-up. Bill Cosby himself was the one I remember the most. And there was one silly thing, silly story that he told about. He and his siblings were singing to their mother that their dad would let them eat chocolate cake for breakfast when she was out of town. And they would sing, Dad is great. He gives us chocolate cake. Dad is great. He gives us chocolate cake. 
over and over again. And I would get so tickled at this when I was little, and I thought it was the most gorgeous thing imaginable, chocolate cake for breakfast. And I remember I proposed it to my dad, and I, I still recall what he said. And it was I think it was my first real teaching of forget in order to remember. He said, if you had chocolate cake for breakfast every day, pretty soon it would not even taste good. It would not be a treat because your body would get used to it. And that would be really sad. And one of your greatest pleasures would be snuffed out, would vanish just because of the regularity of it. And that stuck with me. Paradox, the swing of the pendulum, the allowance of opposites in the room all at once is something that I notice being more comfortable with the older I get. The edges of the pendulum swing do not have to contradict each other, but rather I think we can think of them as living in the same terrarium. They exist together and even somewhat depending on one another. Jack Cornfield, a spiritual writer, has a great book called After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. <laughs> and I would also venture to say After the Devastation, The Laundry. We as humans really need the ordinary because even though it sometimes, the ordinary sometimes feels like it nips at our heels as regular torture. It can be a resting place just to do the regular things. And maybe the comfortability of holding paradox loosens more with age. It seems like in, in my younger decades, I was definitely more black and white and more decisive. And the paradox is the gray where we feel the flux of remembering and forgetting of winter and of summer and we always hold more than one thing at once. And we're usually, I think, holding extremes in our body at one time. The sadness of somebody leaving and the fresh canvas of somebody coming or a new thing that's not yet here, but something we believe might be good for us. The potential of a new mark on the timeline. Have you ever been sick, like with a bad cold or even the flu or a stomach virus, and it knocked you down, and you really just like had to stay in bed? You didn't have a choice. You couldn't really eat, and your body then gets a cleanse. Your digestion rests, and you sleep and sleep and sleep, and then after a few days, you kind of hobble out of the bed to the bathroom mirror, and you look close, and though you are still weak and wobbly, you're starting to feel better and you're starting to get more pigment back in your skin and you're starting to come back from the lowest point and you even may feel better than you did before you got sick and your eyes start to brighten up and it's almost like your whole system has refreshed itself for a new beginning and this is concealment and revelation, concealment and revelation, forget, remember. Catherine May, I think, would say this is why wintering is important. So we can eventually summer in all its glory. Yesterday, our family took a drive. We drove all around Boulder and Lafayette and Longmont areas in, in Colorado. We needed some fresh landscapes to look at. 
And we decided to drive to my friend Erica's house, and she moved almost a year ago, and I still didn't know what her house looked like because we haven't seen each other this year. And she ran out on the porch, and we all waved from the car, and we have not seen each other in a year. And we cried, and we waved, and we took it in, and we stayed at the stop sign, and she stayed on her porch. And I was surprised at how emotional it was for me. And she told me later it was for her, too, because we had forgotten, really, in person, in the flesh, celebration. And she had really wanted me to see her view and her corner of the world. And it still wasn't touching or hugging or being close enough to, to see each other, each other's faces. But it was better than Zoom, that few minutes that we had. And, and it reminded me of how it's, it's good to forget some things so that we get to remember them, so they feel, they feel richer. When I was pregnant with Otis, my right ankle was almost unbearable. It was an old dance injury from years of rolling my ankle in point shoes and, and dancing on top of those injuries and not really taking proper time to heal and I also wore a lot of platform shoes and high heels, and I trashed my feet for various aesthetics that I thought were important. And the pain had really sort of come to a climax during my pregnancy. I think it was somewhat the relaxing hormone in my body, and it was just, um, it was really bad. And after some systemic changes to my diet and some powerful stem cell injections and other remedies that I'm, that I'm sure contributed to the healing, I am now mostly pain-free. And those who knew me during the dark ankle period, (laughs) is what it's called on the timeline, they're amazed at this. And now I walk all the time, every day, which is remarkable for me because of this chronic pain that I had for several years. And, And there was a time where I really forgot what it felt like to walk normally. And then I slowly started to remember And the concealment of walking, just walking without pain, led to such gratitude and joy when the revelation part came. And now I'm not, I'm never not grateful to walk. I'm never not joyful to be pain-free. And those of you who have been faced with debilitating pain, chronic pain, know this place. And if you are able to heal and get better from something like that, it is a wonderland of relief and goodness. Willie Nelson, I once read, never totally rests in his wealth. He he is said to always talk about that it could just go away. And so he's really careful not to rest his happiness, his lightness on money or on fame. Because he knows now in his 80s that there are so many detours And now I know that Willie Nelson will never not be famous. But he's right in his understanding of the pulsation of life. One of the books I first read when I was pregnant with Otis is called Simplicity Parenting. And it talked about how children thrive when they are not overrun with toys everywhere. And this book suggests that you rotate toys so that the kids are not overstimulated and that you only keep a select few for them out at one time. And I thought, gosh, this this really applies to adults too. And what I noticed when we did this, yes, that, that he was less anxious with less clutter, as we all are. 
but also that children forget about the toys and then they get to remember them again. And there's this pure joy, like they're opening presents all over again and they've just been in this plastic bin in the, in the closet. And can you imagine what it's going to feel like the first party we get to throw after this pandemic really lifts? Or the first time you get to hug your people, the people you have not been able to see this whole year. What a gorgeous remembering that is going to be for all of us. When I was growing up, we would sometimes spend weekends in Georgia, which is where my grandparents lived, in Warner Robins, Georgia. And my Aunt Paula, my mom's sister, also lived there with her family. And Paula and her kids were really loud, vivacious and raucous, and they were sort of wild. (laughs) They still are, kind of. And they were super fun. And they were so different from our nuclear family And Benjamin and I would crave going to see them. It was like an out-of-body experience to be in the house with all the yelling and everybody's emotions expressed at every whim. And I, I was vibrating by the time that we drove home. Most of the time, I remember no one spoke on the three hour drive home. Our family tended to be quiet anyway, but after leaving Paula's, we all turned into church mice. And we each took refuge in our own thoughts on the way home. And walking back into our house was always memorable to me, so quiet and serene. And usually it was almost nighttime when we would get home and we would all sort of shuffle off to our rooms, thankful for the silence. We needed to forget in order to remember the quiet. And it's the contrast that we can track. And noticing it is a place that can help remind us of who we are. When we pan out, we see there is a rhythm, that life has a rhythm, and there is a trust we can maintain. Then we can relax our weight and let it swing back and forth because we know now things don't stay dark, and they don't stay light either. There is usually a mixture. Most of the times are ordinary, except when we break apart or we break down or we break open for the next thing. Our family has recently decided to move. We found a very special place, and it has a spectacular carriage house on the property for my mom. And the place, the space, the land, the surroundings, it all feels like fresh air to me, like less clutter, and like a light pocket on the timeline. And I love this. And I know also that there is a rhythm to things and that we have to really let ourselves feel good when things are good because it is like collecting for the winter, like squirrels collecting nuts in preparation. We sometimes need to stockpile light in case something happens and it gets scarce. Think about Willie Nelson. I remembered recently that Benjamin had a rule about him. He told me once that he only listened to Willie Nelson on sunny days, bright sunny days, and I like that. I mentioned that one time to a fellow Willie fan, and he laughed and told me I should rethink it. And I decided not to, not to rethink it, because keeping the rule, Benjamin's rule, helps me keep 
Benjamin Close. It's a ritual on top of a ritual. And because of the limitation of it, it also allows me to forget Willie. (laughs) And then I get to remember him again. Even though we're not moving until April, the beginning of April, I have started packing some boxes kind of here and there just to to keep it moving. And it's stuff I, I know that I won't need for a while. And like the toy rotation, I know that after two and a half months of treasures being packed away, there will be things that I forget. There will be things that I'm happy to see again. I remember one thing that really took me by surprise when the freight train of Benjamin's death struck our family, and that was the gift of forgetting. The shock and the pain were pretty relentless at first, but there were times when I would wake up and I had forgotten for the first blinks of the day, times of respite and recovery. And when I look back, there were even memory lapses, whole blocks of days that I don't remember because the brain is kind in that way, ushering you out for a while so that you can get some rest. And I remember my mom saying to me during that jagged month, I don't know what's happened to my memory. I think I've lost my mind. And I remember thinking, no, you haven't. Your mind is protecting you, helping you forget for pockets so that you have a recovery minute. It's a gift for the people who are forced into weather patterns. I think our family has been less in the world, our nuclear family, Matt, myself, and Coretta, Otis, and my mom, has been less in the world than most people. We have essentially been on lockdown this year to keep my mother safe, and we have been incredibly privileged to be able to pull it off. The concealment of my in-person community, of my yoga teaching, and of just really being with bodies in front of me has been really something for me. It's been really, um, really difficult to lose. And I'm waiting for the rush of human touch, my girls, my students, my dear people. And I know that it's going to feel new, I'm sure, like it never has before. I still remember the first morning, what it felt like after several months of brand new Otis, newborn Otis, the feedings and the the nights of endless nursing and rocking. And then one day, I don't remember exactly how old he was, but one day I woke up and I thought something was wrong. I had slept all the way through and then I had woken up on my own and the house was still and my body felt strange and it felt rested. (laughs) And I had forgotten what a full night's sleep could really feel like. And I took a picture of the kitchen that morning, and it's still one of my favorite pictures, one of my favorite images, and it was my empty kitchen with the coffee steam coming up from the cup, and the sun was streaming in from the windows, and no one was up but me, and I wanted to have a picture of it always because I wanted to remember what it felt like, and it took months of that kind of straight-through sleep being hidden in order for me to remember it. It was like chocolate cake for breakfast for the first time in a long time. The ritual and the rhythm of letting the paradox exist is really what this podcast has always been about, of knowing the seasons will change outside, of course, the the actual weather seasons, 
But the weather changes internally for us too, and it's time that we own and we honor that. And so the task for us, I think, is to make a timeline, to look at your winters and your summers, your weather patterns, your transformative ventures and your your quiet burrowed places. Take in the jagged line of your life as it has been and just notice the lines, the sharp peaks and the downturns and the places where you really allowed yourself to feel the sun on your face and then the times where you couldn't breathe. This is a, a beautiful and really personal assignment and one that can really let in something wise and new. And when you are in a place of concealment or you've forgotten your way or your place, take a breath and know that you are in fertile ground. And don't pretend to be anything that is not exactly you. And that, I believe, is what will get you through. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please continue to take care of yourself and to take care of one another. And I so appreciate all the support that I've received through this podcast. I'm going to keep going. It's just been such a a life raft for me. Please write to me, share your mission statements, your timelines, whatever you like. I'm always uh, interested in reading and hearing from you. You can also ask me questions. You can ask me to talk about certain things on the podcast. I've received some inquiries of, hey, Buffy, would you talk about this? Um, This could really help me. And so do know that I read all of these and um, deeply consider them. So don't be shy to reach out. If you would like to become a patron of this podcast, you can check out the show notes and there's directions on how to do that. And just know that your support means everything to me. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day.